Thanksgiving is an interesting time. Um, the Bible is so full of, of verses like Psalm 100, verse 4, that says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Psalm 107, verse 22, Let them sacrifice thank offerings and tell of his works with songs of joy. And 1 Thessalonians 5, 18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So when we ask the question, can we really be thankful, in 2009, some of your circumstances are better this year than before. Some are worse. Some of you are about the same, just older. And you will get older and older and older if you don't die. Now, you can see the profound level of my meditation and my brilliance. It's displayed for you right there. It, my brilliance also fits in with um, some, of the, some of the offerings of the country music industry. A number of years ago, about 40, the Ministerial Alliance in Duncan, Oklahoma, sponsored a Thanksgiving service. We held it at the First Methodist Church, and I was the preacher. And I remember, I, I had to be talking about being thankful, but I remember one of the things that I said, and I made reference to the country music industry, and, and I said, this is probably not what we're talking about this morning. This dear old song entitled, I get tears in my ears, lying on my back, crying over you. And uh, that for many years was my favorite country title. However, about a year ago or, or less, I discovered another one that just sets that one aside. This is so great. I miss you so much, I'm almost as miserable as when you're here. And uh, you know that country music is the most popular music in our country. <laughs> and you wrote that. <laughs> and uh, so Thanksgiving maybe has a way to go, a little ways to go. Now, not all country songs are that negative. I, this is a joke. And I'm not sure those are even real songs. They were really told to me as real titles. That's, I'll go that far. Beyond that. I don't want to get out on any more of a limb than that. What we're talking about this morning, dear ones, is just counting blessings. Count blessings. Um, so here is, here is where I want to start. Count blessings in the good times. There is an old song that has this two lines wrapping it up. It says, Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings. See what God has done. That truth, if practiced, would change the mental health of the U.S. church, not to mention those outside the church if they decided to practice this. Counting blessings changes lives. Why are there so many sour really awful-looking and sometimes awful-acting 
people that are called Christians and are members of conservative, theologically conservative Christian churches, why, why do they look like that? Do you remember the, uh, the little kid that uh, had, had not been down to the farm and, and they took him and showed him a mule? And he said, he's got the same religion as grandma. His face is so long. (laughs) And grandma thought she was the holiest thing around. Counting blessings and just living by that. You know, the scripture is so very clear. Philippians 4, 8. It it says, if there is one good thing, if there is a good report, if there's anything true, if there's anything just, any kind of righteous stuff showing up, think about that. Well, instead, we just play over and over and over the memory bites of what went wrong, how we were wronged, and when we do that, we cut our mental health legs off. We cut off our legs of blessing from God. We cut off the legs of good relationships with many people because they're not going to want to be with us because we're always so stinking negative. And it's not stinking. It's stinking negative. Got to say it correctly. So in the good times, count your blessings. We've been saved Most of us have been healed. We've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. We wanted that that gal. We pursued her, fought off all all the competition, and married her. We got a job. Some of us in the last year had the experience of having a new grandbaby. Don't ask who. They'll identify themselves without you saying a word. Great things have happened to us. Great things. I've watched people get married that I thought that's the best thing. That is wonderful. And I have some people in the process of of, uh, premarital counseling that this this is wonderful. If these people will walk with God and do what they ought to do, they're going to have a great life. These marriages are going to be wonderful. There is a lot to praise God for. This morning, as we were worshiping, I was thinking about some of the stuff that God has done in my life. And I, was, I, I, I went back to when I was about to leave Southwestern. And I knew the Lord wanted me to preach, but I, I didn't have, I mean, you walk out and announce, I'm here to preach. To whom do you announce that? You know? And my dad would have let me preach once and that would have probably been my career so i was i i was singing with uh, some guys who liked gospel music and we uh, were talking about getting a quartet started and of course they weren't offering any money but uh i i didn't require much money and uh so we were in houston one night uh, I was with a choir from Southwestern, and we had Saturday night off, and we got this uh, bunch of guys together to sing, and th- there's some serious possibilities as far as the voices in that group. And I thought, these, these guys can sing. I don't know how I got here, but 
The rest of them are seriously talented vocalists. And then my mom had offered to help me get started preaching. She was a minister and preached every Sunday night in our, the, the places where my parents pastored forever. And she started getting these invitations from pastors around the New Mexico district. They lived in New Mexico at that time. And uh, invitations to come hold revivals. And she said, Bill, I, they know I don't do that. I stay at home, take care of my family and preach in our church. And it, is this the Lord wanting to help you get started preaching? What do you think? And, and then she laid it on me. If you'll go with me and preach every other night, I'll accept these invitations and I'll do that for you to help you get started. And if, you, if you're not willing to do that, I'm not going to do it. I already have a ministry. I'm not going to do it. I'll just tell them no. So these guys in the, that were forming the quartet, and some of those guys actually did form a quartet and became known as it was kind of the rebirth of the Stamps Quartet. And those of you from 50 years ago that knew gospel music, you'll recognize that there was a Stamps Quartet and it kind of went away. And then the Stamps Music Company got these guys and they became the Stamps Quartet. Some of them later sang with the Blackwood Brothers. They were good. And they needed an answer. They were saying, are you going to do this with us, Bill? And mom was saying, I need to tell these ministers something, Bill. And old Bill didn't know what to do. And so I got down after, I was impressed that, you know, these, these singers, it would be long and hard but the possibility of making really good gospel music was there. They, that could have happened with them. And so I was, I was, I'd actually been worrying about this and it just got worse. I'd been worrying enough that I was losing sleep and I'm, you know, I'm just barely in, in the last part of adolescence and adolescents are supposed to just pass out, you know, and, and normally I did, but not then. And so I got down beside the bed sleeping on a screened-in porch on the back of a house in Houston, Texas. And I, the Holy Spirit came on me. Man, it is so cool when the Holy Spirit comes on you in prayer. And I just, I knew I had to have guidance, and I did not know what it was going to be. But when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you can pray something like this. God, you said for us to cast all our care upon you, that you would... You would care for us, care their meaning anxiety and the anxiousness con connected with the very kind of thing that, that this kid was dealing with. I said, I'm going to roll this on you. If this needs to be worried about tonight, will you please stay awake and worry? I'm going to get some sleep. And the peace of God was all over me. I crawled into that bed not knowing See, this is not out of knowledge. This is faith. God does that when we cry to him for help. He has to. Where are we going to get faith? And so, crawled in bed and went to sleep. And right away, the Lord showed me what to do, and I entered the ministry. And Mom and I held two revivals together, and then I was able to con my friends and my parents' friends and my friends' friends into giving me revival meetings and traveled for almost three years before I married this beautiful girl. And God delivered me from that into, not the marriage, in <laughs> the traveling, into the pastorate. I was thinking about that standing over there. 
And it's really bold to say, I'm, you worry about it, God, I'm going to go to sleep. But you can do that when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And uh, I had not finished up my degree in, at Southwestern. And after I had preached for a year, we actually had some good revivals. The Lord is faithful, you know. I mean, he's real whether we're good or not. And so we had some good meetings. And there were several guys that said, Bill, I want you to come and preach for me. But we had not one date. And this was in the summertime at a camp meeting in New Mexico. And I did not know what I was going to do that fall. And I'm sitting, it seems to me like I was sitting on the next to the last row in the sanctuary in an afternoon service and the Holy Spirit came on me. And I said, God, I don't know what's going on. All these guys have said they want me to come. Not one of them has said, I want you to come now on the calendar. And so if you if, if this doesn't open up, you see, you can pray like this when the Holy Spirit is guiding you. That's what, that was what was happening to you. Oh, it, oh it's wonderful. And so this, this prayer was, I am going to go back to school. I just get a job and go to school and, and finish up my degree. And if I, if I don't have a meeting by... And I said an hour. I don't remember exactly the hour. I think it was like maybe service time that evening, which would have been 7 or 7.30. By 5 o'clock, my entire fall was full. So I knew I wasn't supposed to go back to Southwestern then. And, and, it, and I, was, I was standing over there, and I was thinking about that miracle. It just gives me goosebumps 100 years later to think about that. And you see, the more I think about that, the more it is likely that God will speak to me. And then you know the story about the time when God spoke to me and, and gave me a little vision. And the bottom line, the punchline of the vision was, speaking to me, God Almighty said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. And that changed my life. Part of the reason that changed my life is every day I go back there I revisit that. I even try to get the goosebumps, and it's not hard to do. And so I had some more goosebumps over there. I had some more goosebumps right in now when I'm thinking about this because God cares about people who don't know what to do, don't know how to turn, have a call in their heart, but don't know how to get there from here. He does it. Count your blessings, dear one. Count them. If he's ever spoken one hint to you, if one line of one scripture has ever jumped off the page and blessed you, if you've ever had a word from someone who was praying with you and they said, you know, I think the Lord would, would like to encourage you and they give you a few sentences and, and you just knew it was from the Lord, play that over. I used to say, play that tape. And then I started playing, saying, play that CD. And now I guess it's just play that sound bite because it can come digitally in many forms. Play it over and over and over and over again. Play it at least once a day. Where's the rest of you? I can tell by looking at some of you that you don't do that. That was nasty, wasn't it? Let's go to number two before I get in more trouble. Count blessings in what seems to be bad times. This year, spouses have died among us, family members. Some of you have faced illness. 
the big C word has, has, has surfaced several times and other things that are perhaps just as devastating as cancer and jobs have been lost, marriages have died, there have been cases of extreme disappointment, like the whole system just collapsed. And how could God be anywhere close to this with this kind of outcome? Earlier this year, a gal that some of you know is not a part of this congregation made an appointment, came in and said, and I, and I know her husband also, and she said, X, that's uh, not his name. <laughs> you might have guessed that. X had an affair. And X is about the last guy I thought would have an affair, okay? But he did because we're capable of anything. You see, he's let his mind be somewhere besides counting blessings. It's hard to, it's hard to have an affair if you're counting blessings. But if you're, if you're counting the buttons on her shirt, watch out. And so she came in and told me that and We shared some stuff and prayed, and I don't know how that has turned out. I don't have regular contact with her. That'll mess with you, world. That happened to somebody that I happen to know and love, and there have been, I think, perhaps even worse things than that happened in people that I know and love, and it's like... How do, you, how do you count blessings, okay? Spouse, how do you, how do you count blessings when you, you figure out finally that your spouse has had an affair? Guys or gals, whichever. How, how do you do that? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. Because there is a there is a foundational thing in the Holy Spirit that just messes with my mind. It is so counterintuitive. But in Nehemiah, the eighth chapter, they set up in this culture among the, the, the children of Israel, the, and, and this, they have all this long history of being brought out of Egypt and possessing the Canaan land, and they go through generations of of cycling spiritually until finally they just get worse than the people that the Lord removed so they could have that land. And then they, they go into captivity and they're gone for 70 years and, and a handful of them come back, a few thousand ultimately. And then they've, they've gotten the temple rebuilt and they've gotten the walls of the city rebuilt and they're under the blessing of God, and so they, <clears throat> they, have a, they have a scripture reading. And this Ezra, uh, who's the book about him precedes the book of Nehemiah, as you recall. Ezra and some of the other priests started reading the law of Moses, and they read it for four hours. And after four hours of this, these people were just moaning and groaning and wailing because all of this stuff that God says, I'm going to shoot you in the head for that, they had been doing. 
They had been taken out of the land and, and God had had mercy on them and brought them back to the land and they were still doing it. Well, moaning and groaning sounds good to me, doesn't it, to you? If you find out something like that, shouldn't you moan and groan? What, what is the word here of the Lord in Nehemiah 8th chapter in this setting? These people are guilty of sin, bad sin, gross sin, sin that would take them out ultimately. What did the Holy Spirit through Nehemiah say to them? Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is sacred to the Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, some of you may have the personality type that can grasp that. Those of us that are kind of concrete and very legalistic, that scripture is so counterintuitive, it makes no sense. I'm guilty of gross sin. I am exposed. My heart is broken over it, and I'm supposed to throw a party. Help me with that. Okay, I will. You are looking at yourself. You are saying to yourself, I got myself into this and I must mourn and grieve and sorrow and confess my sins until God is really convinced that I'm sorry. And it's about me and my works. Honey, it was you and your works that got you into this mess. Do what God says to get out of it. What does he say? He says the joy of the Lord is your strength. Sorrow does not make you strong. Thinking seriously about how awful your sin was does not make you strong. You may, you may try to discipline your kid by saying, you need to go over and sit in there in that corner and think about what you did. I, I'd rather hurt his rear, but that's, I mean, I, you, you're going to do it your way, I'm sure. But the deal is, in the kingdom of God, when you realize you're wrong, you say, oh, no, I'm so sorry, God. How could I have done this? Will you please forgive me? And then the party should start. Now, is that counterintuitive? Is that counterintuitive? That makes no sense to me. If it makes sense to you, I guess I want to hear it. I'm not sure I do. Because that's awful. I'm going to celebrate because my sin has been uncovered by the word of God. Well, if your heart is sorrowful and you turn to God and ask him to forgive you, celebrate. It's not celebrating your sin. It's celebrating who God is and the fact that he didn't kill you outright when you did it. Now we need to clap for the Lord. The joy of the Lord is your strength. In bad times, it just, just overcome the, the, what is it called? Cognitive dissonance. That means the stress when you try to take a counterintuitive uh, idea and make it fit into your brain. It just hurts your head. Thinking like that gives me a headache. That would be a good thing to say. There's a guy by the name of Rick Box that writes a daily column about integrity and wisdom 
from a, from a biblical perspective in the workplace. He's a businessman. And uh, in a recent uh, column he wrote, after personal attacks and seemingly endless spiritual assaults at work, I didn't know how much more I could take. I pray, God, please send encouragement. Then it arrived, a letter from my daughter, Megan. Her mother had asked her to pray. So, a quote, I've been praying for you a lot, Megan wrote. I know God will get you through it. He always does. And then Rick continued to show tangible evidence of her love. Megan, a college student working two jobs, enclosed a donation to Integrity Resource Center, which is, which is his um, kind of website and where, where he works to do this column thing. He said, she sent this donation. He said, I begin to cry. She closed with 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Give thanks in all circumstances. In all circumstances. You know it's coming, the smart aleck thing. What is it about all that you don't understand? All circumstances. Yeah, but that's rebellion. Let's just pull, pull the cover off another sin. When God's word says something and you say, yeah, but that's either gross unbelief or rebellion, probably a combination of both. You're in trouble. You better start rejoicing because you got problems. Doesn't that sound counterintuitive? Shouldn't we declare a fast? What is this party thing? And Jesus taught us to fast. This is not against fasting. But see, we want to pay for our sin. And you need to know how evil your heart is that you think when you do something against almighty God that you, a puny human, can give up a little bit of your stuff and impress God and pay for this awful sin you've committed. You're weird. Because it's the blood of Jesus Christ only that will deal with your awfulness. Only the blood of Jesus Christ. It's already paid, and if you're not praising God for it, you're an ingrate. You're a stinking ingrate. Get the message. This is good, folks. You know what Barry would say. I'm preaching a lot better than you're amening. And he would be right. <laughs> when peace like a river attendeth my way, Ah, uh, sign me up for peace like a river. Ah, uh, when peace like a river attendeth my way. Or when sorrows like sea billows roll. Whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say is well. It is well with my soul. I don't know about your soul, but it is well with my soul. That's what we say when we sing that, if indeed we're doing it. So we come now to what is necessary here, and it's called the attitude of gratitude. Ephesians 5.20 says, Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians 4 says, I know what it is to be in need. That's the sea below's of sorrow rolling. And I know what it is to have plenty. That's peace like a river. 
I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Now, that last sentence, I can do, the King James translates that all things, and so many of us have it in our minds. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. A little misusage there of the pronoun, but the message is clear. I can do everything. We, we want to tie that to, to um, maybe a new job, maybe whatever. It has to do with plenty materially and want materially is the primary. Now, it does mean if, if God has led us into something, we can do all things, okay? It, it does mean that, and I'm not taking that away. But the primary, the context is I can, I can be content when I am actually materially deprived. And you know what that, that phrase means? Everything is bad. If we're broke, everything is bad. It's just, man, it's bad. It is so bad if I'm broke. Know that feeling? Of course you do. We all know that feeling. And then Paul says, and I know what it is to have plenty. Now, plenty means all the bills are paid and there's still funds in the bank. Whoa, think about that. I mean, this is not carrying a balance forward on the credit cards. Don't do that, by the way. Um, this is not carrying a balance anywhere. It's all paid and there's still money to spare. That's called discretionary funds and some other things that are nice names. He says, I've learned to do that. And I want you to get this picture. In verse 12, he says, I have learned the secret. He had to go to school. These dear ones went to school in a strange culture. And culture shock is as real as the sunrise, honey. And they, they're supposed to be speaking Spanish, and the kids get it right away, and mom and dad are still, you know, they're just working on it, and it's... They're always proud if they get through a sentence without having to say, how do you say? And then say an English word that they can't remember what the vocabulary word in Spanish is. That's hard. And in the face of that, in the face of that, the Holy Spirit comes. But the, the secret is to get with the Lord and to say, God, I want to thank you. And you start counting those blessings. And as your faith goes up, then you can start thanking him for delays, which is really, really tough on all of us impatient humans. And if your faith just goes over the mountain, you can praise him for the problem. Now, if you can't get there yet, just praise him anyway. That, that's a grand start. Do you know what you're saying when you do that? You are expressing faith. This is the reason it works, honey is that we live by faith, and if in the face of difficulties you are learning to say, God, I'm glad I know you. Thank you for saving me. Thank you, and you start listening. You know, your family may be a mess, but there's one or two third cousins that are doing pretty well. Thank him for them. <laughs> well, yeah, but 
uh-oh, I caught you. Unbelief and rebellion, stop it. That's called repentance. That's when you quit it. Don't yab at me. You can yab at me all you want. Don't yab at God because he's not going to change. His promises are going to stand. And when we start walking with an attitude of gratitude, it means I can trust God to do the worrying. And like that kid kneeling at a bed on a, on a screened-in porch in Houston, Texas, if the thing needs to be worried about, he will worry about it. You can get your rest. If it needs to be sweated over, he will sweat, and you can walk cool, full of the joy of the Lord, because that's when you're strong. This has to be related to that scripture that Paul said, for when I'm weak, then I'm strong. I've got these problems around me, and I start praising the Lord. Does that sound weak? Yes, weak-minded. But you see, that's when the strength of the Lord comes in. And some of you have tried it. I told you about Mrs. Snyder, who was in her middle 80s, member of our congregation in Oklahoma. And um, I think we called her Mother Snyder. What did we call her, Mary? Mother Snyder, Grandmother Snyder. Anyway, Sister Snyder. Grand old gal. Always had this incredible testimony, so positive. And um, one day I had some reason to stop by her house. I don't remember what the deal was. She lived across the street from a rest home. And uh, so she was telling me a little bit about her week. And she said, yeah, I go every, over every day and cheer up those old folks. <laughs> and she could because she cheered up anyone in sight. She got sick and went into the hospital. Now, she believed in divine health. And she couldn't understand why the Lord didn't heal her. But she was just shining all over that wing of that hospital. And I didn't want to say it was really dark in here and God just sent you in here. And the only way he could get you, you go to the rest home, but you wouldn't come here. The only way he could get you in here is for you to not get well right away. She got well and went home and continued to spread the cheer of the Lord. How did she do that? Some people are born more positive than others. I will grant you that. And you probably were and you've just killed it. But it can be resurrected. It can be resurrected. And you say, you don't know the problems I have. No, and I do care. It's not that I don't care. I, the smart aleck thing, did you notice I resisted that? The smart aleck thing would be, no, and I don't care, but I do. That's not true. I do care. But my knowing them, unless I can join you in prayer, is not going to change anything, and it's not going to change you. What will change you is for you to start counting blessings, and I don't want you to lie when say, people, you have a problem. How'd your surgery go? And if it had a bunch of complications, you say, you know, that was a good chance for me to find out about the faithfulness of God because that was hard. But God is still with me. See, you can always be positive. God is still with me. He didn't leave. You ought to be more excited than you are. This is good. It will change our church after it changes your life and changes your home and changes your marriage and your parent-child relationship and, and that with your 
if your parents are still surviving or with your siblings, it'll change the job. I read a business book the other day about, that was entitled, Thank God It's Monday. It's a secular book, secular book. And this guy just went all through the list of how to make a positive workplace. And what he said was just what I preached, and I gave it to you. I hope it wasn't free. I hope you paid for it. But, but uh, it, it's just the Word of God. Let's pray. Lord, there are people sitting here that have a list of yabbits as long as my arm. Hard, hard things. Thank you that you love them and that you have an